Lord, we just come before you, Lord, as, uh, as empty vessels, Lord, and we empty ourselves out of us, Lord, and we want to be filled by you. We want your word just to come to life within our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears, and, and Lord, we know that it can and it will if, if we allow it to, Lord. Holy Spirit, we call upon you, and I do want to empty myself of me, and I just want you to fill me and to fill this place and to have a special word for your people and just to, to consume them with your truth. Holy Spirit, move powerfully within us. Magnify your gift. Use your gift that you've given me, Lord. It's all about you. It has nothing to do with me. So we do pray now that uh, your word would go out with power and that it would accomplish its perfect work within us. So Lord Jesus, we just thank you and praise you and we give you praise, glory, and honor. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we are in Deuteronomy. And as we are in this book, one thing that we know is that... Uh, the book last week spoke to us on the uh, blessings that come from God. And as uh, we discussed last week, uh, the blessings with obedience were for the Jews. When it comes to the church, as I shared with you last week, we do not obey the Lord for blessings. Okay? You and I are not walking in obedience for the blessings of God. I want to remind you on one important truth that we talked about last week is that you and I are already blessed. You and I are already blessed. And because we are already blessed by God, this is why we desire to have a heart of obedience. You know, we know one thing about the, uh, the Jews is that they lost sight of that too. As a reminder, the Jews were already blessed, right? They were freed, they were delivered. And you know what? And they were protected and provided for by the Lord. And, and yet they lost sight of this. They lost sight of the fact that, that they were already blessed. And, and so, you know what? There should have been no reason why they should not obey the commandments of the Lord. But one thing we know as we've gone through the book of the law, and we know that as the Lord has spoken, that the Jews were in a covenant relationship with the Lord. The Jews had a relationship with the Lord that was based on obedience. It was a conditional, and it depended on the nation's obedience. And we know one thing is that the nation would be blessed by God if they obeyed the law and the keeping of His commandments. And as we go through today, we are going to see that they would be cursed by God for their disobedience, for not keeping the commandments. You know, it's very simple. The simplicity of the Word of God is there. And what I mean by this is the very fact that when the Jews would enter the promised land, a land that was flowing with milk and honey, a land of Canaan, that if they did what the Lord said, then everything would go well. If they didn't do as the Lord says, then of course things wouldn't go well. And this is a portion of Scripture that we're in today. See, the fact that they did not obey the Lord meant that they would be cursed for it. And today what we're going to touch upon 
is we are going to touch upon the curses that the Jews would receive, but we are also going to touch upon the church. Is the church cursed for their disobedience? Are you and I as, as Christians cursed if we don't do as the Lord says? Are we cursed? And by the end of the day, you're going to realize the truth that is in this. Okay, because it's important that we understand this truth because this truth has been just sent all over the place. And God wants to bring clarity to us today on this truth. Before we go into the curses, it's important that we understand what a curse is. You know, as we think about curses, right, you and I need to understand what does the Lord mean by this? You know, there's several ways of looking at a curse, right? We can look at a curse as, one, you know, foul language, right? When somebody curses, when somebody speaks, you know what, foul language and, you know, and just says things that are inappropriate, you know, that's a curse, right? But that's not what we're going to be talking about today. There's also another curse that is a curse by somebody that, you know, has power to, to put a spell over you or you know, a curse over you or, or to bring, you know, any type of evil over you. In other words, we're talking about here witchcraft, okay? And that's not what we're going to be talking about today. What we're going to be talking about today is a curse that comes from God. See, a curse must come from someone who has power. And we know one thing, the one that has the greatest power is who? Is the Lord. And because he has the greatest power, he has the power to curse on those that he wants to curse, and he has the power not to curse. See, he has a, he has a sovereign decision here as to what he wants to do. But I haven't defined a curse, and this is what I want to define here because this is important for us. To understand exactly what God meant when he talked about curses this is what I need to explain to all of you so that we have a better understanding of this. And I'm going to define it as this. It is to give over or to dedicate someone to punishment or to destruction. I'm going to repeat that. A curse is to give over or to dedicate someone to punishment or to destruction. And one thing that we know, it includes the loss of everything that is significant, and it also lowers that individual to the most minute position that one can have. Okay? This is what curses does. This is what a curse does. This is what a curse of God does. And one thing that we know is that a curse of God can follow victims, right? It can follow individuals everywhere. It can extend to their offspring. It can extend to their descendants. And this is what we're looking at now. This is what God had made with, uh, the, with the Israelites, with the Jews. And he had told them, you know what? If you obey me, you'll be blessed. But if you don't obey me, you will be cursed. And this cursing came when they would take the land. Okay, we've got to remember that as they took possession of the land, this was a conditional covenant. They needed to do certain things. And if they did these certain things, then we know that they would be blessed. And if they didn't, then they would not be. Last week, we stated the blessings that would come to a nation, a nation that obeyed the Lord. 
and we know that this is the land of Israel. And there were five categories that summarized the blessings of God to a nation. And as he spoke to Israel, he told them that, one, you would be superior above all the nations. Two, you would have agricultural and livestock prosperity. Three, you would have victory over your enemies. Four, you would be a revered, revered and respected people. And five, you would have financial prosperity. You would have an abundance and you would never be poor. What we're going to look at is we're going to look at now the curses, right? The curses of Israel if they didn't obey the Lord. And again, remember, this is for Israel. We must be clear on this, that this is for Israel because he gave them that land. And as he gave them the land, he was saying, you know what? If you do these things, when you get into the land, you will be blessed. If you don't do them, you will be cursed. So I must preface this by letting you know that this is for Israel as they entered into the promised land. And with that, let's begin to read in verse 15. It says, But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God, to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes, which I command you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Okay? The Lord is saying that, you know what, if you observe, he says, if you do as I say, then you're going to be blessed. But as he says today, if you don't do as I say, then these curses will come upon you. Remember, this punishment, this destruction will come upon you and overtake you. What does the word overtake mean? You know, as you look at this, this word overtake, it means that it will come suddenly and unexpectedly. This is what he's trying to tell him. He's trying to say, you know what? You, you know, as I give you these things, if you don't do as I say, believe me, they will come upon you. In other words, you're going to experience every single one of them. And what's going to happen, it's going to be suddenly and it's going to be unexpectedly. Something that you weren't prepared for at the moment. But you already know, right? The Lord is saying, I'm already giving you these things. In other words, he was just reminding them and letting them know that, you know what, you don't have to experience this if you do as I say. From verse 16 all the way to verse 68, there is a long list of curses. And these curses, what I'm going to do is I'm also going to categorize these. And we're not going to go in systematic order here because, see, as I give you the five categories, all these curses are going to fall into those five categories. So I'm going to be jumping from verse to verse so that we can get a good sense of what these curses are. There comes a point when God tells the people, he says, you know what, this is actually going to happen. In other words, he's telling them right now that, you know what, as we keep reading this, he's telling them that, you know what, if you disobey me, this is going to happen. It's just like everything else, right? How many of us have children, right? We, we have children, and when we talk to our children and we explain to our children certain things, we tell them, you know what, if you disobey, this is going to happen. We know it's going to happen. You know what, like our children, right? I mean, when they become disobedient to what we ask them to do, we know that these things are going to happen and they come to pass. Well, one thing about us, we're not all-knowing, we're not omniscient like God is, right? Because God is sovereign and He knew exactly as we go through 
the Bible, I'm going to give you some points to show you exactly what happened to Israel. And God already knew this, and God had said, this is going to happen. And so, as we read it, as we're going to go now through the next verses, know that it is all filled with curses, okay? And again, remember, this is for the Jews, based on their disobedience, as they would enter into the promised land. Remember, let us not get confused with the fact that this is for the church, and we're going to talk about this in the end. The curses can be summarized in five categories. The first category is children will be cursed. Okay, The children of Israel will be cursed. What he goes on to say is that there's going to be a low birth rate, and you're going to see your children taken away. The second category is going to be they're, they're going to be agriculturally and their livestock will be cursed. Crops are going to be ruined, animals are going to be stolen, and animals are going to be destroyed. The third category is the fact that people are going to be cursed. The people of Israel will be cursed. There's going to be confusion. There's going to be madness. There's going to be fear. There's going to be sickness, hunger, thirst. Their wives are going to be taken. Their wives are going to be raped. There's going to be oppression and there's going to be slavery. And then the fourth category is the fact that the nations will be, that the nation of Israel will be cursed. Enemies will conquer them and defeat them in war. They will be captive and they will be enslaved. And then finally, we're going to talk about financially, they will be cursed. So we have these five categories. The children cursed agriculturally and livestock will be cursed. The people will be cursed. The nation will be cursed. And financially, they will be cursed. Okay? So let's go over these to see what God has to share. And I know when I was going through this, believe me, it's, and, and I want to talk about this because as you see the things that are going to happen to them, it can be sort of a downer, okay? It will be sort of a downer as we read these things. But understand one thing that when it comes to the church, we're going to be lifted up and you're going to be encouraged, okay? I just want you to know that because as we go through this, you're going to be like, man, Pastor Tony, enough is enough, right? This is too much. I don't want to hear all this bad stuff. Well, as we go through the Word of God, we give you the full counsel, right? We don't leave anything out. We want you to have it on. We want you to know the Word of God so that we can be students of the Word, disciples of the Word, teachers of the Word. So let's begin to read the first category. Or before we read the first category, let's read verses 16 and 17. It says, Curse shall you be in the city, and cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall you be, shall be your basket and your kneading bowl. What God was trying to say, what the Lord was saying was that punishment and destruction would be everywhere. There would be no escape. This is what he's saying in the city, in the country, everywhere. You cannot escape the punishment of God. You cannot ex escape the destruction that God would bring upon you. I want to give you a visual of this. Pretend we were on an island. And you knew that there was a tsunami coming. 
Is there any way to escape the tsunami? This is what the Lord was saying. It's going to come. Everybody's going to face it. Let me bring it home to all of you because many of us are saying, you know what, tsunamis, they don't happen in the States. They don't happen in, in, uh, in California, at least not yet. But what we do experience here a lot of is what? Earthquakes. And what fault are we under? San Andreas. One day, if that San Andreas ever erupts or quakes or whatever the case may be, is there any escaping it when it comes to those that are under, over it? No. This is what the Lord was trying to say. There is going to be no escape from these curses. And so now we're going to talk about children that are being cursed. And we're going to go through different verses. So just bear with me and follow me as I give you these verses. Verse 18 says, Cursed shall be the fruit of your body. We're talking about the fruit, the children that come from the mothers. Jump down to verse 32. Verse 32 says, Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people, and your eyes shall look and fall with longing for them all day long. And there shall be no strength in your hand. Jump with me to verse 41. In verse 41, he goes on to say, You shall beget sons and daughters, but they shall not be yours, for they shall, be, shall go into captivity. And please jump down with me to verse 62. In verse 62, he says, You shall be left few in number, whereas you were as the stars of heaven in multitude, because you would not obey the voice of the Lord your God. He is saying that there will be few. Remember, the promise was that there would be a multitude, just like the stars that are in heaven, just like the, the grains of salt that are by the seashore. They're numerous, unlimited. You can't count them. And he says, because of your disobedience, you will be less. You know, when you looked at this, right, as we read this, you know, one of the things that I think breaks a parent's heart is when their children are taken from them. I don't think there's, you know what, for a mother and a father, I mean, that is so devastating to see your children taken from you. And this is exactly what the Lord was telling them. That you will lose your strength, you will lose your power, you will lose your will to live. As you see your children taken by the enemies. See, the Lord had laid it out. He had told them, just obey me. You don't have to go through this. He had told them all the blessings that they would receive. Instead, we know that these people lost sight. They lost their fear of God. And they disobeyed him. Let's now talk about the agricultural and the livestock that would be cursed. In verse 18, let's read. It goes on to say, And the produce of your land, the increase of your cattle, and the offspring of your flocks. Jump down with me to verse 23. He goes on to say, And your, and your heavens which are over your head 
shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you shall be iron. The Lord will change the rain of your land to powder and dust. From the heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. In other words, there ain't going to be no rain. Everything's going to dry up. The ground isn't going to be able to produce fruit. It's going to be like iron. If you go to verse 31, it goes on to say, Your ox shall be slaughtered before your eyes, but you shall not eat it. Your donkey shall be violently taken away from before you, and you shall not be restored to you, and shall not be restored to you. Your sheep shall be given to your enemies, and you shall have no one to rescue them. Imagine that. Imagine you have all this ox and this cattle to eat the good beef, and somebody else is going to partake of that. They're going to be eating what belongs to you. They're going to be stealing your donkey. They're going to be stealing your sheep. Everything that belongs to you, they're going to be taken away. Verse 33 goes on to say, A nation whom you have not known shall eat the fruit of your land and the produce of your labor, and you shall be only oppressed and crushed continually. Imagine that. A, a enemy, your enemies are going to do this to you. And then let's jump down to verse 38. He goes on to say, You shall carry much seed out of the field, but gather little in. For the locust shall consume it. You shall plant vineyards and tend them. But you shall neither drink of the wine nor gather the grapes, for the worms shall eat them. And verse 40 goes on to say, You shall have olive trees throughout all your territory, but you shall not anoint yourself with the oil, for your olives shall drop off. In other words, you know what? The locusts are going to destroy everything. Have you ever seen locusts? Have you ever had grasshoppers in your, in your home? I know I have. And when they, in, the, in, the, in my home, they eat all the, the leaves and the trees. And you know what? They start chewing on everything, right? And the only way to get rid of them is to get them off and what, crush them, right? Otherwise, they just keep eating and eating. And so imagine this locust, hundreds and thousands of them coming in, swarming in, and eating the fruit, eating the trees, eating everything in sight. Verse 42 goes on to say, Locusts shall consume all your trees and the produce of your land. And then verse 51 says, And they shall eat the increase of your livestock, the enemy, and the produce of your land until you are destroyed. They shall not leave your, you, you grain or new wine or oil or the increase of your cattle or the offspring of your flocks until they have destroyed you. You know, as we look at this, this is what the Lord is telling them. You know, why would anybody want to disobey the Lord? Either they believe Him or they have no fear of Him, right? Or their cravings of their flesh are so great that they can't say no to them. And we know that the cares of this world just consumes them and we see that they did exactly that. We're going to get now into the cursing that comes to people. And here there's going to be quite a bit that we're going to go over. So in, let's begin in verse 19. It goes on to say, Cursed shall you be when you come in and cursed shall you be when you go out. The Lord will send on you cursing, confusion, and rebuke in all that you set your hand to do until you are destroyed and until you perish quickly because of the wickedness of your doings in which you have 
forsaken me. We have here just the Lord is letting them know what's going to happen. Confusion, rebuke. You'll be destroyed. He says, because of the wickedness, because you've forsaken me, you've disobeyed me. Verse 21 goes on to say, the Lord will make the plague cling to you until he has consumed you from the land which you are going to possess. The Lord will strike you with consumption, with fever, with inflammation, with severe burning, with fever, with the sword, with scorching, and with mildew. They shall pursue you until you perish. Imagine all this. Imagine all this sickness. Imagine all this, this fever, the scorching, the mildew. You know, it's just going to, it's going to come upon them until they perish. Verse 27 goes on to say, The Lord will strike you with the boils of Egypt, with tumors, with the scab, and with the itch from which you cannot be healed. Imagine that. Imagine having boils, tumors, scabs, and itch that cannot be healed. I mean, have you ever had something that just itches and it just doesn't go away, or boils, or tumors, or scabs? I'm at, I mean, this is what the Lord is saying. These are the curses that you will receive as a people for your disobedience. Let's read in verse 28. He goes on to say, The Lord will strike you with madness and blindness and confusion of heart. And you shall grope at noonday as a blind man gropes in darkness. You shall not prosper in your ways. You shall be only oppressed and plundered continually and no one will save you. Imagine these people are going to be plagued and stricken with madness and blindness. In other words, these people, they're going to be going mad. The people of Israel will be going mad and they will be like, they will be blinded. And this is what the Lord was telling them. If you disobey me, because it was a covenantal relationship based on obedience. As we read in verse 34, he goes on to say, So you shall be driven mad because of the sight which your eyes see. In other words, the devastation that is before them is going to drive them crazy. Imagine that. Just to see all the devastation, all the destruction, all the things that are before them, they're not going to be able to take it, that they're going to go mad. Let's read this in verse 30. You shall betroth a wife, but another man shall lie with her. You shall build a house, but you shall not dwell in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you shall not gather its grapes. Imagine that. The Lord is saying that for those of you that are engaged and have wives, your wives are going to be taken. Your wives are going to be raped. Your wives are going to be taken away from you. And this is the curse you receive. Verse 48 gives us another picture. Verse 48 says, The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies, a nation whose language you will not understand, a nation of fierce continents which does not respect the elderly nor show favor to the young. 
This is what he's saying. He is saying that you will see that there will be a nation that will come in and you will hunger and you will thirst. See, they're going to be hungry, they're going to be thirsty. They came out of a place where, you know what, where they had things to eat. And even through the wilderness, the Lord provided for them. And we know that they went into a land that was filled with milk and honey. The produce, the agriculture, the fruit, everything that was in there was in abundance. Imagine that. And if they disobeyed the Lord, the Lord was going to say, you're going to be hungry, you're going to be thirsty, you're not going to have these things anymore. Let's go down and read verse 53. It says that you shall eat the fruit of your own body. He goes on to say, the flesh of your sons and your daughters, whom the Lord your God has given you in the siege and desperate states in which your enemy shall distress you. The sensitive and very refined man among you will be hostile toward his brother, toward the wife of his bosom, and towards the rest of his children whom he leaves behind, so that he will not give any of them the flesh of his children whom he will eat because he has nothing left in this siege and desperate straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. The tender and the delicate woman among you whom would not venture to set the sole of her foot on the ground because of her delicateness and sensitivity will refuse to the husband of her bosom and to her son and her daughter her placentia, which comes out from between her feet and her children whom she bears, for she will eat them secretly for lack of everything in the siege and desperate states, straits in which your enemy shall distress you at all your gates. What he is saying here is that things will become so horrific that you will be eating your children. You will be so hungry that you will be so desperate that you will begin to eat your children. Imagine that. This is a curse that they received. See, this happened several times, and one of them was in 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 24 through 33. Syria, they surrounded Samaria, and there was a famine and the women began to eat their children. This was that curse. See, all the things that I mentioned that we've been reading happened. Not one of these things did not take place. And it was a sad time. Imagine to eat your own children. As we keep reading, what else happened to the people? Let's read in verse 59. In verse 59 it says, Then the Lord will bring upon you and your descendants extraordinary plagues, great and prolonged plagues, and serious and prolonged sicknesses. Moreover, he will bring back on you all the diseases of Egypt of which you were afraid, and they shall cling to you. Also every sickness and every plague which is not written in this book of the law 
will the Lord bring upon you until you are destroyed. You know, these plagues, these diseases, these sicknesses that were brought upon the nation of Egypt will come back to them. Let's read in verse 65 what else happens. Verse 65 says, And among those nations you shall find no rest, nor shall the sole of your feet have a resting place, but there the Lord will give you a trembling heart, failing eyes, and anguish of soul. Your life shall hang in doubt before you. You shall fear day and night and have no assurance of life. In the morning you shall say, Oh, that it were evening. And at evening you shall say, Oh, that it were morning. Because of the fear which terrifies your heart and because of the sight which your eyes see. We're talking about fear here. A fear that overtakes him, that consumes him, that is just falls upon them, anxiety, stress, fear. He says, you know what? It will be so great, you are going to suffer and you are going to have great sorrow. And then the last thing that happens to these people is in verse 68. He says, and the Lord will take you back to Egypt in ships by the way of which I said to you, you shall never see it again, and there shall be offered for sale to your enemies as male and female slaves, but no one will buy you. In other words, they are going to be sold into slavery. Let's look at the fourth curse. The fourth curse is going to come to the nation itself. And let's read in verse 25. In verse 25, it says, The Lord will cause you to be defeat before your enemies. You shall go out one against them. And flee seven ways before them. And you shall become troublesome to all the kingdoms of the earth. Your carcasses shall be food for all the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And no one shall frighten them away. In other words, he is saying you will all be defeated. And guess what? All your bodies as they go to war and as they kill you. That you know what? No one's going to be able to bury you. You know what's going to happen is the carcasses, the birds, the ravens, uh, you know, these, uh, these, these, uh, these birds that, what do you call them again? These vultures and all of these, they'll just eat your flesh. And as he goes on to say in verse 49, he says, The Lord will bring a nation against you from afar off, from the end of the earth, as swift as the eagle flies. A nation whose language you will not understand. A nation of fierce continents which does not respect the elderly nor show favor to the young. In other words, these nations that will come and defeat you, you know what? They could care less about anyone. You know, they're going to come in. They're going to just destroy you. They don't care about young. They don't care about old. They don't care about nobody. They just hate the enemy. When he says that, they will come as swift as an eagle. This is a description of a military invasion. I want you to know that. Whenever you see that, it, it describes a military invasion. And one thing we know is that the Assyrians came and they captured the northern kingdom of Israel. And we know that later on, about 115 years later, we have the Babylonians that came and captured the nation of Judah. 
And we know what they did with them. They made them slaves. They, they captured them. And, and all of these things that we're reading about is exactly what took place. We know that the Jews were later given the right and the privilege to go back into the land of Jerusalem and to rebuild the temple. And they did that. But we know that they continued to disobey the Lord. And even when the Lord came in the flesh, when Jesus Christ came, they refused to receive them as, his, as their Messiah. And because of this, you know what happened to Israel? He allowed the Romans to come in, to besiege them, to surround them, just like they did other times, like we read in right now with Samaria. And you know what? It happened again. Mothers were eating their child. They were starving. They were hungry. This happened in A.D. 70 when the general Titus came in and he destroyed Jerusalem. And we know one thing about Israel is it did not happen until May 14th of 1948 that they were able to return to the land. That they were able to come back and become the nation that we see today. You know, as we think about this, right, we see the curses that happened to them when they went into the promised land and they didn't obey the Lord. We know as we look at this that these nations, as we read verse 36, that they were forced to become slaves and to worship other gods. Let's read in verse 36 and see this. It says that the Lord will bring you and the king whom you set over you to a nation which neither you nor your fathers have known, and there you shall serve other gods, wood and stone. Jump with me to verse 63. In verse 63 it says, And it shall be that just as the Lord rejoiced over you to do you good and multiply you, so the Lord will rejoice over you to destroy you and bring you to nothing, and you shall be plucked from off the land which you go to possess. Then the Lord will scatter you among all peoples from the one end of the earth to the other, and there you shall serve other gods which neither you nor your fathers have known wood and stone. And as we read in verse 68, that they will become slaves. See, this is what happened to the nation. And this happened because they disobeyed the Lord. They, they disobeyed his law and his commands. The last curse is a financial curse, right? And let's read in verse 37. In verse 37, it goes on to say, And you shall become an astonishment, a proverb, and a byword among all nations where the Lord will drive you. In other words, it will be shame and scorn. In other words, they are going to look at as being worthless. Verse 43 goes on to say, The alien who is among you shall rise higher and higher above you, and you shall come down lower and lower. He shall lend to you, but you shall not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. As a reminder, what the Lord was saying here is that other nations will rule you. And remember, he told them, if you would only do as I say, then you would be the head. Nations would follow. Nations would borrow from you. You would never lack. But we see that they did not do as the Lord said. They would become dirt poor. There are three verses 
or four verses that we didn't read, and we want to give you all of them, so we're going to read them. In verse 45, he says there, Moreover, all these curses shall come upon you and pursue you and overtake you until you are destroyed because you did not obey the voice of the Lord your God to keep his commandments and his statutes which he commanded you. And they shall be upon you for a sign and a wonder and on your descendants forever. Because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. And the final verse that we didn't read was verse 58. If you do not carefully observe all the words of this law that are written in this book, that you may fear this glorious and awesome name, the Lord your God. See, these people, they disobeyed the Lord. And the curses came, the punishment and the destruction came upon the people. And why did it come? Because they didn't fear him. They didn't believe him. As I mentioned earlier, their lust overtook them. The cares of this world became the priority. And we know that the enemy attacked and the people fell. We read all of this and it all happened to them because of their disobedience. It was devastating and it was destructive. This is what happened to the nation of Israel. Okay? So now... We saw everything that happened to them. So now comes the bright spot of the message. What about the church? Okay, what about you and me as Christians? You know, we've gone now through this chapter of Deuteronomy. What about the church? What about Christians? You know, there's false teachings that are out there that, that talks about, you know, what curses that can come upon Christians. They, there's this false teaching about generational curses that can fall upon a family. I'm going to prove to you today that all of this is false teaching. What you hear on television and saying, you know what, there's generational curses, it's false. When they say that, you know what, you as a people can be cursed if you're a Christian, it's false. And I want to prove this to you through the scriptures. It's not what I say, right? It is through the scriptures that reveal to us the truth of God, right? It is a truth. That sets us free, right? And Jesus Christ says, you shall know the truth, and the truth will, will set you free. What I want to talk about today is I'm actually going to give you four points. Four points when it comes to Christians and curses. Okay? And these four points are important for us because it reveals the truth of God. I'm going to share one thing with you. The only curse that you and I share in is a curse that came when Adam and Eve ate the forbidden fruit. Okay? That's the first point I want to make. That is the only curse that you and I serve in as Christians. Okay? And, and as we realize this, then you know what? Then nothing else, as we look at the other points, can come at us when it comes to to curses. Okay, I want to prove this though, because you may be wondering, is it accurate what I'm saying? I'm going to read to you from Romans chapter 5, verse 18 and 20. It says, therefore, as though one man's offense, judgment came to all men. Remember, we're talking about judgment, we're talking about punishment, we're talking about devastation. We know that one man's offense, which was Adam and Eve, Judgment came to all men, resulting in condemnation. 
Even so, through one man's righteous act, the free gift came to all men, resulting in justification of life. For as by one man's obedience many were made sinners, so also by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. Okay? The only curse that you and I are a part of is sin. Okay? Sin came into the world. That's it. Okay? But there's a remedy to, set to that, isn't there? And I want to give you point number two. Point number two, when it comes to Christians, when it comes to the church, you and I are not under the law. Understand this. You and I are not under the law. See, we cannot be cursed for disobeying the law because we're not under the law. See, the Jews had a covenant relationship, right? That was conditional and it was dependent on obedience to the law. They were under the law and they had to keep it and do it. But see, when it comes to the Christian, what is the law to us? See, the law is only a tutor, right? See, when it comes to the law, the law only reveals to us what is sin, right? See, when it comes to the law, it teaches us what is right and what is wrong. But the law pointed to Christ, didn't it? See, I want to read to you from Galatians 3, verse 24 and 25. It says, therefore, the law was our tutor to bring us to Christ, that we might be justified by faith. But after faith has come, we are no longer under a tutor. See, for the Christian that has placed their faith in Jesus Christ, you and I are not under the law. The church is not under the law. You and I are no longer held according to the law. I'm going to give you from John chapter 1, verse 17. It says, For the law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. See, the law came from Moses, but grace and truth came from who? From Jesus Christ. See, if we are not under the law, as Romans 6, 14 says, we are under grace. See, you and I cannot be cursed for not keeping the law. But I want to share something with you. Even though we don't keep the law, there's something that we have in us that is called sin, right? So what is a remedy for sin? Because sin is what? Missing the mark, right? Missing the fact or the doing of the law, right? Because it comes down to the commandments of God. See, because you and I are not under the law, there is still somebody that had to redeem us from sin. And this is point number three. See, you and I are not under the law, but we had to be redeemed from sin. See, Jesus made it clear that Jesus became a curse for us. This is why you and I cannot be cursed. This is why you and I cannot 
receive the curse that comes from the law because he became that curse for us. When somebody talks about, you know what, I'm going to put a hex on you, or you know what, I'm going to call my aunt BB, and I'm going to make sure that she puts a curse over you, right? Well, guess what? Aunt BB can't do that because Jesus already became that curse for us. See, nothing can get us. And I want to prove this to you through the scriptures. Open, with, open the, your Bibles to Galatians chapter 3. And this is the point that needs to be made. When somebody tells you, you know what, I'm going to curse you, or there's generational curses, or you know what, or can a Christian be cursed? This will give them the answer. It's in verse 10. It says, for as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, cursed is everyone who does not continue in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. But that no one is justified by the law in the sight of God is evident. In other words, we know that no one can keep the law because no one can keep the law, no one can be justified by the law. And we all know this. For the just shall live by faith, Yet the law is not of faith, but the man who does them shall live by them. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree, that the blessing of Abraham might come upon the Gentiles in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. See, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. He became the curse for us. So you and I can never be cursed. You and I can never receive generational curses once we come to Jesus Christ in faith. The church cannot be cursed. Christians cannot be cursed. We are free from all of this. See, Jesus Christ assumed great pain and agony. He became sin for us, as the Word of God tells us, that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. I love what Isaiah says. It says, though your sins are like scarlet, in Isaiah 1.18, they shall be as white as snow. They, though they are red like crimson, they shall be as wool. See, our sins are offenses are offensive and our sins are terrible, our sins are horrific, our sins have nailed Jesus Christ to the cross. But because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you are white as snow. Imagine that. This is that righteousness that comes upon us because of Him. When God the Father sees you, guess what? He doesn't have a long list of sins, right? That you've done. And believe me, some of us have Novels and books and books and books and books and books. And all these that are written down, guess what? Our faith, when he opens that book, it's a blank sheet. Everything written on the book is erased. And he does not remember it no more. See, for the Christian... This is what's so amazing. This is what you and I, you know what, what you and I need to come to understand, to come to grips with an understanding that, you know what, that 
God's grace is so amazing because you and I don't deserve it. You and I don't deserve the forgiveness of God. You and I don't deserve the blessings of God. You and I, you know what, as we talk about, we're already blessed because of our faith in Him. Do we deserve any of this based on who we are and what we think and what we, how we act and the things that we do and, and the words that we speak? But God's grace is just so wonderful, so amazing that He accepts us. God the Father accepts you as he accepts his son. And you know what he says? The way I look at my son is the way I look at you, and the way I look at him and the position that I give him, I give him the kingdom of God. Guess what? We become co-heirs with him in the kingdom of God. You and I rule with Jesus Christ throughout eternity. Do we deserve this? This is what's so amazing. You know, why would God the Father allow us to do this with his son because of our faith in his son, our faith in him. You know, this is, for me, you know, as I look at this, we live by faith. And because of our faith, you know what, we live to please and to obey him, not that we do it for the blessings, but because we have nothing else to do but to give him our hearts, our soul, our mind, and our strength. I want to give you point number four. Point number four is the fact that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. He says this in Romans 8, verse 1. There is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Now, sometimes a lot of people like to leave out that last portion. It's important that we understand the full verse that he gives us, the Scripture, the truth of God. There is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who are walking according to the Spirit, being led by the Spirit, filled with the Spirit, yielded to the Spirit. You know, not practicing the things of the flesh. This is what the Israelites did, right? They wanted to fulfill the things of the flesh. You know, but for us, we live yielded to the Spirit. And because there is no condemnation for, uh, for, uh, for us, we know that in Romans 8, he goes on to say, and this is what's so awesome, in Romans 8, verse 31, he mentions the fact that what then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Who can curse us? It is God who justifies. Who is he who condemns? Who can curse us? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of the Father, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ. Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword or a curse? Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. 
For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen? See, this is what's so amazing. See, this is what you and I hang on to. See, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. You and I cannot have or be cursed because of our faith in Jesus Christ. See, these teachings that are out there are false and they are condemning. See, when it comes to a believer, one thing that we know about Jesus is he doesn't curse us, but one thing that we do know is that if we do sort of walk astray, what happens to God? What, what does God do to us? God chastens us. See, chasing is very much, is very different than a curse. See, a curse will bring punishment and it will bring destruction. While a chastening brings you to your knees, to the foot of the cross, to a place of repentance where a curse doesn't do that. See, chasing reveals to us that we are sons of the Most High. A curse destroys. But a chastening only validates that we belong to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. See, and this is what we hang on to. You and I, as we've gone through the blessings and the cursing, know one thing. You are blessed already, and you cannot be cursed. We rejoice in that. You and I, you know what? It's like that kid in a candy store where you're just like, man, I love this. I can't believe this. I have all these things before me, right? Which candy do I choose? What do I get? Where can I go? Which one? You know, I love when my daughter, when, you know, when, when there's all these candies and she's just like, this one, this one, this one, this one, right? That's the way we are. We're filled with all these things. We're filled with blessings and we cannot be cursed. And so with that, we will close. Lord, we just want to thank you. If somebody can bring the worship team forward, please. Lord, we just want to thank you, Lord. We just want to give you praise, glory, and honor, Lord. For the truth that you have revealed to each and every one of us here, Lord. May we allow this truth to just take deep root within our hearts, Lord. May we remember, Lord, just the truth of your word. Lord, we saw what happened to a nation that disobeyed you, Lord. Lord, we knew as we read that this 
nation was under the law. But for us as Christians, we are under grace. And by faith, we are no longer under the law. As a church and as Christians, we are under this amazing thing called grace. But in order to receive grace, we know for by grace, through this thing called faith, we are saved. It is a gift. And I know that maybe there's some here that have been living according to the law, that maybe they've been living according to works, or maybe they've never surrendered themselves to you by faith. We want them to come to a place of complete surrender, to a place of just saying, Lord, I come to you by faith. I come to you by faith. I'm no longer under the law, but under grace. If there's anyone here that maybe has been living by the law, maybe it's your works and your good deeds that you think are placing you in a right standing with God that's false. Or maybe you haven't completely surrendered to the Lord. And this is what God wants you to do today. This is what God has called you to do. This is what he's asking you today. He's speaking to you and he's saying, you know what, come to me as you are. Come to me and I will put my arms around you. I'll forgive you. And I will make you my very own. If there's anyone here that wants to surrender themselves to Jesus Christ, to get away from the works of the law and from the penalty of sin, be forgiven. If this is any of you and you want to do this, raise your hand and we will pray for you. Amen. Anyone else that wants to do this? Anyone else? Anyone else? Anyone else before we close? We don't want anyone to walk away. Maybe you want to recommit your life to the Lord. Maybe there's something in your life that you've still been living according to the flesh. Maybe you're not yielded to the Spirit. and Maybe you once were committed and you sort of walked away or maybe you're just on the fence. and You want to make things right with Him. This is, again, a personal choice between you and Him. If anybody wants to do this before we close, just raise your hand and we will pray for you. Anybody? Anybody? Anybody else? Lord, we just thank you. We thank you, Lord, for this one that, that raised her hand, Lord. Lord, you spoke, Lord, and, and she heard you, Lord. And her desire, Lord, is just to come to a place, Lord, of being in your arms, Lord, of knowing that you love her, knowing that you've forgiven her, Lord. Knowing that you died for her. 
knowing that you have a place for her in heaven. Knowing that she is a princess to you. Lord, help her as she yields to you to listen to your voice and to do and to walk in a manner that is worthy of her calling. Lord, you're the King of kings and Lord of lords. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word, Lord. We pray this in Jesus' name.